Good morning, everybody. Today we'll be Hashem be learning Daflam and Dalid in Maseches Psachim. Little extra skip in my step because a I got Chizuk from Kalman. He uh, told me how much he enjoys. So hey, Kalman, shout out to him. Also, my daughter-in-law in labor in the hospital with our first grandchild. So a lot of good things going on. And Kalman, you're in luck. We're going to be discussing some truma. We're seven lines up from the bottom, Lamed Gimel, Lamed Beis. And we were talking yesterday, you might recall, whether you can use certain types of truma to mea, truma to hora, as firewood. So let's start from Gufa, which is seven lines up over there. And it says, Madlikin truma Kohanim can light a fire with the what? The shemen and the truma. Uh, and, and the bread of truma that became tamay. Now, now we, we had discussed this yesterday, that those that was the statement we made yesterday, that that was in contrast to berries, right? Because the pas and the shaman, you could light it because you're going to put it away in different places, not going to be this concern, which we're always concerned about if we allow the kohanim, obviously they can't eat truma tamayah, and Israelim, we're going to see machlokas rashi tosva soon, but Israelim, we assume, can't use truma at all, Right, and that becomes a little bit of a machlokas rashi tosfos. But the point is that with the kohanim, even though they can use truma, they can't eat truma tamea, but they should be able to use it. It's not aser bahana to them. But our concern is that they're going to eat it. That's really what's going on. So if it's berries, then we're not even going to let them use it for firewood because berries are irresistible and they're going to eat it. They're going to make this that smoothie. But if it's pots and shaman, that gets pretty nasty. And therefore, we are going to let them light with that. Okay, so now, Abaya Amar Mishmeh Dechizkiah, the Rabba Amar Devei Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Marta Amar Ravuna, Lo Shanu Ela Pas, Aval Chite Lo. So it took, you know, this whole collection of rabbis to tell you that this was true for bread. In other words, you could use bread as firewood, as it were, but you can't use the actual wheat kernels. So what's the difference between bread and wheat kernels? Says the Gemara, Shemit Yavah Behemli Dei Takala. That wheat kernels you might eat, and that stands to reason, Rashi explains, uh, bread gets gross in the fire, right? That becomes unedible. But wheat kernels in the fire, that just becomes delicious roasted wheat kernels. I know that's how you start every day, Andrew. So that is uh, the reason why you wouldn't be able to use the wheat kernels because they are, in fact, still going to be edible, and therefore we are concerned, so we don't let a Cohen use that uh, truma tamea wheat kernels as fire, wood, as fuel, I should say, because not wood. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Afiluchiti. Now, Rabbi Yochanan is going to say that even the wheat kernels of truma can be used to light the fire, despite the fact that maybe they're delicious, but the Gemara asks, V'amai? Why are you allowing this, Rabbi Yochanan? Aren't you concerned that they're going to eat it? So the Gemara answers, Kedama Ravashi, as we arrive at Lamedal and Lamedalef, Bishli Kasa Umi Sasa. Ah, we're talking about kernels that Shalik, Shlaikis, they're, um, put in, they're boiled. And so once you're boiled, it's me'isasa, me'us, it's disgusting. So basically, we're not talking about those delicious roasted wheat kernels that you're so fond of, Andrew. We are talking rather about the ones that get puffed up first and soaked. And those are disgusting. Nobody would ever eat that. And therefore, that's why we're not concerned. That's why Rabbi Yochanan said that that was okay. So here too, hachanami bishlikasa me'isasa. So here too, Rabbi Yochanan is referring to those kernels that were um, thus boiled and, and nasty. So... In that context, 
we'll say what Ravashi was saying. Where did we learn this shot of Ravashi that it was first boiled? So the, um, what we're saying here is that we didn't really, Ravashi didn't really say this in our specific case of the Truma Shunitmes. He actually had a different case and we borrowed it from there as follows. Abashol was the person who kneaded the dough in the house of Rebbe. If Matt Bornstein's listening, the Rebbitson kneaded the dough. That's a Moshe Burt reference. So he was the kneader of the dough in the house of Rebbe. That was a big job because you had to make sure that the dough would become tahar. And again, you know, in those days, we talk about hashgacha and kashras or, or agencies and all that. So today we have certainly kashras considerations. But in those days, tumen tahara considerations were huge because the kohanim couldn't eat tame, tame stuff. And whether something was truma or was something was, if something was truma, certainly, they had to have a very intense shmira to make sure that it wasn't. As we're going to see, there's, there's, um, uh, halacha, there's, and it's even in the Psukim, that you have to have real shmira on Truma. You can't just uh, have hesachadas, right? You can't just take your eyes off of it. If you, if you leave Truma unattended, then it's going to be like going to a restaurant without a ashkacha. That's like you need a mashkiach, a tamidi, right, on this Truma. Oh. So that's why it was important that you need to have a gabal, the need of the dough. And even though he was the Rav Machshir over there, in the house of Rebbe, which is a very important position, they used to heat the water with fire fueled by wheat kernels of truma that were tummy. So we see that they were allowed to use it there. Uh, however, even though, again, there's no truma tamea that they're using as, as flour, chas over here. However, they are using it as fuel for firewood. So, lalush vehim isa betahara. So the, the dough, so the first, kind of like minor issue here is that just because you're lighting with a fire that's fueled by truma tamea doesn't mean that that actually infuses the dough with it. It does not. In other words, lalush behem, they're doing this kneading, right? And the isa, the dough is still considered to be tahar despite the firewood coming from truma tamea. That's true. You know, the question is, are, why aren't we concerned? Over there, they had chitin of truma tamea. Why aren't we concerned that people are, that, the, that they're going to eat it? So, am I? So, we say, nechush dilma asa right? The Gemara asks, why are we not concerned about that? So, Amar Ravashi. So, it is in that context where Ravashi said this suggestion, that it was actually first soaked and it was therefore nasty, and then we don't have that concern. The Machlokas Rashi Tosus that I referred to is, appears here, and it's really a question of whether Yisrael can do this or not. You know, Rashi says, who's using this firewood? So it sounds like, certainly, who's taking it from Kohanim? It's Israel. They're taking advantage. In other words, this is more common than you thought, right? Truma Tamea, what's a Kohanim going to do with it? It's valueless to them. They can't do much with it. And therefore, they maybe would just sell it off back to the Israel at, 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 at a cheap cost. Uh, However, Rashi, uh, however, Tosfos here says, Omer ben Utam, de la Kohanim shall base Rebbe, are you oisin? De la Israel, lo sharia, ela hanash, ena shel kilui, kemo erv. So it's an idea that Israel, it's not clear that they'd be allowed to use this as firewood because even though it's Truma Tamea, the uh, respect, we'll call it, that Israel is supposed to have to Truma is that they're not allowed to burn it. In other words, just because you're allowed to get hana from it, 
the type of anah that you're allowed to get from it, says Tosfos, is not the kind of anah where you just burn it, and, it, and that's sort of like uh, disrespectful to the truma, we'll call it. You can only, and, he's, and Tosfos over here is the second Tosfos, is quoting sources that's saying that it's only the other kind of hana, like the kind of hana I'm having on this chair, where it's not kuya, in other words, just because I'm using a chair doesn't mean I'm destroying it. It's the kind of, that's the kind of hana that Israel would have. So, interestingly enough, this is what Birmam calls a fundamental machlokas rashi tosfos. Are we talking about Israeli mokohanim here in the, in the house of Rebbe? But be that as it may, the actual kernels we're not concerned about because they've been pre-soaked, and therefore we're not concerned that the kohanim, uh, were they to be there, that they're going to eat it. Okay. So now, we're gonna have a discussion about Truma that was Tomei, Kalman, you're welcome. And in that discussion, we're going to get back to the squeezing of the grapes that are Tomei. We'll see if we get that far. But that was the discussion we had yesterday. We'll get back to uh, Rabbi Yochanan's previous statements about this grape squeezing. So let's resume. Abaye bar oven, Rav Hanani bar oven, Tanu Trumos be Raba. Right? They were studying Tanu Trumos be Raba. They were in Raba's yeshiva. And they were studying like Masechas Trumas. Okay, very interesting. So, Paga uh, Rava Bar Masna. Rava Bar Masna comes up to this Chavrusa. And Armalahu, Mayim Risa Betrumas to Beymar. He says, what are you guys learning? Any uh, Chidushim? Rashi has a fascinating Lashon here. Chidush V'taima Betrumas Shatem Shainim Beves Adam Gadol Karaba. He's like, tell me something fresh and new and interesting. You're learning with Rava, he's a giant... Torah master, I'd love to hear some Trumas Hak. Okay. So Amrlay, so they said to him, like, can we help you? Do you have like a specific question? So Amrlahu, so he said to them the following. Not, okay. Well, we learned in a Mishnah, I do have a specific question. The Mishnah in Trumas says that Shile Trumos Shinitmu Ushtalon Tahormil Tame. You might remember this from uh Shabbistaf Tetzain, Yudzain area. Uh, a fascinating concept. As soon as I'll say it, you'll recall that then they took plants. Okay, so again, you separate out truma, right? For the Kohen. And the truma becomes tame. When you replant it, the growth that comes out is tahar. Um, amazing halacha. Okay. Uh, that's, that's actually a Mishnah. So we, we quote it in a different context in Shabbos. Now, they're tahor in the sense that they don't generate tumor for other things. However, the asurin melechel. There is an isra to eat them. You might recall that the isra to eat them might be because, uh, it seems that it is because, again, we don't want Israelim to separate out truma and then replant it. And sort of like, it's like, kind of like truma laundering. Right? You're replanting it and then all of a sudden it's edible again. So if we, if we allowed them to eat it, then the Kohanim would all lose out on their truma. This would become common practice. So we make an iser on the eating. But for now, right, the question, it sounds like it's this fundamental me'ikar hadin issue with regards to the truma. So it says the Gemara, So I gave it away, but the Gemara asks, well, if they're not going to be metame, it seems to imply that there's no actual genuine tuma on these produce. So if the question is, if that's the case, why are we saying that it's us, if it's not really Tame, why is it us to eat? So Amrulay, so Abaye and Khanabi Ravan said, no, Hachiyama Rabba. Ah. Well, you came to the right place, Rabba Barmasna, because you asked this Shaila and this Mishnah, let's tell we'll tell you what the great, great giant our Rebbe Rabba said regarding this. He said, My Asurin, Asurin Lazarin. Aha, that when it says it's us to eat, it's referring to what? Non Kohanim. 
Non-Kohanim can't eat it because it's still Truma. In other words, a very interesting idea in its own right, which is that even though you're going to take Truma Tamea and then you're going to plant it, even though it's going to lose its Tuma status, okay, it's not going to lose its Truma status. That is what Rabbah taught them. So that's an interesting idea, right? That the Truma status is not going to go away. It does not remove it, okay? But the, the, it's no longer Tame. Okay. So the Gemara, um, so the Gemara asks, Umay Kamash Malan. But according to this, is that really a Chiddush? Because Gidule Truma Truma, Right? What you're basically saying is, if you're going to say that what we're learning here is that that which grows out of truma is truma, right? Because again, the, the answer that, that Rav Chan, Abaye and Rav Chanina Baravin answered was that again, it retains its truma status and loses its tuma status. So if what you're trying to teach me is that it retains its truma status, which is to say that whatever grows out of truma remains truma, that's what it means, gidule truma truma. So Tanina, we already have a Mishnah in Trumos to teach us that. Right? This is again, Rav Masna wanted to learn something new and novel. And they just told him this, that this was the shot as to why you, there's an iser to eat it, but there's no iser to, right, the, why it's, right, it, it, it's not metame, but there's still an iser to eat it. So their shot was that Zarim are not allowed to eat it. And he says, well, that shot we already know. I mean, what's the chiddish in your shot? If you're saying that the Chiddush is that that which grows from Truma is Truma, we already have a mission for that, Tanina. As we say, Gidule Truma Truma. Okay, so that is the fairish in the Mishnah. So you're not teaching me anything there. Bechitema Gidule Gidule, and maybe you're telling me that, let's say you put a growth in the ground. Let's say you put in um, Gidule Gidule, right? You put in like a, like a pumpkin in the ground, and the seeds of the pumpkin took root, and then that grew. And the pumpkin was truma. If you're going to tell me that the chiddush is that the growth that comes out of a plant's new growth is also truma, well, what is that chiddush here? Are you saying is as follows. It's a physical reality within plants that some plants, for example, let's take the pumpkin. The pumpkin has seeds, right? The pumpkin seeds decompose and that's when this, they start to sprout. Okay. The onion, in contrast, as Rashi points out, it doesn't itself decompose, right? It's like a bulb. You put in the bulb. Yes, it has shoots that come out of the bulb, but the bulb itself remains intact. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, conceptually, you can understand if the bulb itself remains intact. So then really, and it's, let's say, truma. So then really that status of truma has been retained throughout the entire plant. Exactly. You don't need Tchiyas Amesim to say that it's, that it's, that it's Truma. Okay. However, if the seed, uh, decomposes and, and it completely, so there will be a Chiddush. So that's the difference. That's what it means, Zarokala. So, in other words, Bidavish ain't Zarokala, like an onion. Hanami Tanina. That's also Mishnah, because it's Mishnah says in Trumas. Hatevel Gedulav Mutarin. Bidavish is Zarokala. That, if you have tevel, right, something where you should have taken truma but you didn't, and then you plant that in the ground, so can you, you know, when this when it sprouts, is that is that considered tevel anymore? So the answer is that it, no, it's mutter, but only bedavar shazar Only if you have the kind of seed that decomposes. Have a bedavar but in something like an onion, 
like you said, you don't need the trias and mesim in the right. The uh, onion bulb is still intact. Afilu gedule gedulein asurin baachila. So by them, even those offshoots are going to be asur baachila, which is to say they're going to retain their status of tevel. Okay, so that uh, that it's assumed. Rav Masna is assuming that that gedule gedule. Um, Mishnah by Tevel applies not only to Tevel, but to Truma as well. And therefore, it would seem that we're not really learning anything from Rabbah. So what's this great Chiddush from the giant Rabbah? So at this point, Ishtaku, Abai and Rav were they were silenced by this. They said, oh wow, that really wasn't a Chiddush at all, was it? So Amrulay, so they said to Rabbah Ravasna, Well, do you have a Pshat? Do you have a better Pshat? So Rav Masa said yes. Rav Masa answers, Amar lahu, hachi amar So this maybe was like a Rabba Rav Sheshes Talmidim rivalry all along. Okay? He said, well, in my yeshiva, I'm not saying it's a better yeshiva, but, you know, my yeshiva, they had an answer for this. My asurin, what is meant when it says that it's also to eat? Asurin like ohanim. It's not saying that it's also to for a czar to eat, <coughs> for a non-coming to eat. What it's saying is, that even though the plant is no longer tame, it's also for the Kohen to eat. Uh, wow, it's Truma, that's not tame, and yet it's also to eat. Why? There it is. The reason is because they, you took your mind off it. Why did they take their mind off it? Because again, once you have Truma Tameya, you're not going to have the same Mashgiach Tamidi on it, right? Because it's already, the worst case scenario has already taken place. Right? In other words, the whole point of watching Truma is when it's Tahara, so it shouldn't become Tame. Once it's Tame, you kind of take your eye off the ball. So here you had Truma Tamea, and at that point already they disregarded it. They had what's called Hesachadas. So once they had this Hesachadas and they weren't paying attention to it, so then they were going to, um, take their eye off it, and that's why we have this, like, standard Gezera, you don't eat Truma that you're not that you have Hesachadas on, Truma that you're not paying attention to, you're not going to eat it anymore. So the Gemara, however, objects to this potential suggestion as follows. Okay, so there's a question. It's a very interesting sort of Chakira. The question is, when we made this, uh, we'll call it a Gezeva, right? When we have this Halacha, right, that you need to have Hashgacha on Truma, right? And that, so when you don't have Hashgacha, when you have Hesachadas, right, it means the Mashkiach isn't, isn't in town. So, right, like you call up, you always know when you call up a restaurant and you want to find out, um, if the Hashgacha is good, right? So in some places in America, it's like very regulated. But like when you're trying to find out, even in Israel, it can be more complicated sometimes than in America because you have, um, the Badats, which would be great. But then sometimes you have like a hotel that's really kosher, like La Rome in Yerushalayim. They don't call it La Rome anymore, do they? They started calling it Inbal around 20 years ago. Okay, but when it's, when it's, um, you know, that's considered a hotel with a very, very serious sashkach. I mean, they're boiling, uh, the, uh, the screws of the ovens for Pesach and stuff like that. But, and they, and they kosher for Pesach for like three months. It's not like when you send like four teenagers to these hotels out here and they just blow torch everything in 20, in 20 minutes. So the, um, where am I getting with this? Oh, so, <clears throat> so the question is when you have this Hesachadas, oh, so in Israel you have to ask, uh, is the Mashkiach there? And he's like, oh, uh, the Mashkiach's on vacation for like the next three weeks, but he'll be back and then he'll be happy to talk to you. So that's when you know that it's not good, 
right? Because Rabbanut, what I'm saying is, it is Rabbanut Mahadrin, it's regular Rabbanut, it has a wide range. Okay. So, what, so, okay, so let's say those Hesachadas, the Mashkiach's on vacation. Okay. So the question is, what is the halacha? Is that considered Psul Haguf? Do we treat it like, okay, we don't know whether it's Tame or not, but we're going to treat it as Tame out of an abundance of caution. That's one possibility. That would not, that would be called Psul Tuma. Or is it that we're treating it like it's Mamish Tame? Like this assumption of Psul Haguf. So that's the question. When there's no mashkiach, is it treif? Or is it just we don't know and we're being cautious? That's the, that's the two ways of looking at it. So the Gemara is saying, So if you hold that hesachadas, right, that you're not paying attention, means that it's mamish tameh, so then shapir. Then it makes sense because the mission is teaching you that you're going to be prohibited from eating it. But if you say that it's really just an, it's not necessarily tame, but we're treating it as tame because of an abundance of caution. So then, if, so then even if the plants, right, are going to become tahor, then, then if it's, right, because we said even if we know that it's tame, it's going to become tahor. So then if you only hold that this hesachadas creates a doubt of the tuma, certainly if you plant those, those doubtful plants, then certainly that offshoot is for sure going to be tar. And therefore, the Mishnah and the Halacha of the treating the offshoots as Tameh for the Kohanim only makes sense if you hold that it's a Psul HaGuf. Why? The Itmar, because we already said, with regards to this Hesachadas, Hesachadas, so now it's just citing this, the source of this machlokas. It was actually machlokas Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Whether this Hesachadas creates a real psul or whether it creates just a chashash of a psul. So, what's the nafkamina? So says the Gemara, Yochanan is saying that we're just treating it like a tuma out of an abundance of caution, as I like to call it. Right? The difference would be, let's say you have this is another way of saying, let's say you had some verifiable evidence that this was, did not become Tameh at all, right? Like you treated with abundance of caution and the Meshkiach went away, but sure enough, there was a camera, right? There was a surveillance camera and you watch the videotape from beginning to end and you see there was no Tumah. So if there was some way to verify that it never became Tameh, then in fact, you would not have to treat it as Tameh. You don't have to go out and be cautious where you know that it's stayed Tahar. Another way of doing it besides a surveillance camera would be to ask Elio Novi when he comes. Those are two ways of verifying. But be that as it may, whichever way you manage to verify it, you could treat it as Tahar if you can in fact prove that it was. However, of course, right? if you say that this halacha that you treated as puzzle once there was hesachadas because it's inherently puzzle, so then now even Elio could come and you could scream up and down that this was, this never became Tameh, that's not the point. The point is that the halacha is that we treat it as Tameh regardless, inherently Tameh. Okay, so now nine lines up from the bottom, Rabbi Yochanan asks Reish Lakish the following. Okay. Talking now about Karbanas. So when they used to bring Karbanas on the southwest corner, right, of the Mizbeach, they used to have like a little, right between the ramp um, over there, right on the side, they used to have like a little, what my grandmother used to call a kolboinik, like a little receptacle area, 
okay, where you could throw stuff in. What what did the it was right on the western side of the of the ramp. What did they used to do there? Says the Gemara Right? Because what it means is they used to have right little uh carbonus oaf where they weren't sure whether they were a puzzle. Right? They became puzzle, we're gonna see. Uh the Gemara's gonna explain. They they had like a light psul, sort of like a semi psul, and it were unclear whether it was puzzle. Now when something is unclear whether it's for sure puzzle, you have a conundrum. Because certainly it's puzzle, you can't bring it as a carbon. But it's also, if it's not fully puzzle, so then you can't burn it either. Right? Because you're not, because maybe on the side that it's, that it's actually still kachim. Right? You can't just stum burn it and get rid of it. So you, what you have to do then is put it into this receptacle and this lul, throw it into this little hole and let it become puzzle for reals before the next day you burn it. As follows. What are you going to do? Shan hayuzorkim sulechatasofa to ubar tsurasan. Tubar tsurasan sounds like it would change its appearance, but really what it means, as Rashi explains, is that it's, you're going to wait for it to be nicer. Hainipsul lina, right? That's called nicer. They're left over. And once it's left overnight, then it's really for sure possible. Then you can burn it, right? As Rashi says, val korchach, you're going to, you're going to burn it. Okay. So they had basically these semi-puzzle things and there was an abeyance and so that, so then they, they put it on the side in order to burn it the next day. So now, if you're gonna say that it had, that there's such a thing as a semi-puzzle state of suffolk, we're not really 100% sure whether it's puzzle, but if you're gonna say that this kind of tumma that it, it contracts, and, and, and we're gonna see that it's most likely that a very similar Thing where there was some sort of hesachadas, and therefore we weren't sure what the das of the baal was, and so if you're going to say that that kind of psul is sort of like a psul that it, once it becomes verified, it can go one way or the other, but really it's just an abundance of caution. Well, all of that makes sense in the context of why you would actually throw it into this lul and wait. That's why you need to wait until you have actual psul. Right, because there you have either the option, um, you're going to put it off to the side because it may not be entirely puzzle, and it could be that Elionov is going to come and say that you know what, it was fine altogether, and therefore you certainly would not be allowed to burn it because if it's fine altogether and it's tahor, you're not allowed to wrongfully right burn a perfectly valid carbon. But if you're going to say that whenever you have these kinds of hesachadas issues, that you that it that it infuses that carbon with an inherent psul, so then lamali yibur Why are you throwing it to the side for tomorrow? Burn it right now. Aha, v'atanya because it was taught in a brisa zeha klal. As we turn to lamadalat on the bays at six o five a.m. Wow, what did the brisa say? Call shipsula begufo any. Any carbon, right, who has, which has inherent psul, yusaref miyad, has to be burned at once. Bedam uvivalim, right? In other words, the owner, right, is, is, right, is going to, bedam uvivalim. In the case, right, of that, of that, um, psul, right, in the blood or in their owner. In other words, we're gonna see. You have to burn it at once if it has a puzzle begufo. Bedam of Ivalim, that's how you read it, sorry. So again, call Shipsula, I think right around this, this Gemara is where I got the call that, uh, my daughter-in-law is in labor. 
So I just got disoriented here. Okay. The Brisa says that if it has an inherent psul, it should be burned right away. However, if there's something wrong with the blood or the owner, what, what, really, what this really means is um, that this is the kind of psul that we had before with the Trimatomea, right? That when there's like something wrong with the intent, something wrong with the Hesachadas of the owner, Right, if there's something up with the owner, which is to say, if it doesn't have an inherent psul, that's what we're saying. If it has a psul of like circumstance, right, where we don't really know 100% what the circumstance was, so then to uber tsurasum. So then that's when you leave it over, and then it only goes out, and then it goes out to the base of Srefa later. But, it, but we see, right, that since the invalidation of, the, of that particular carbon is still in doubt, and we're not going to burn it right away until it has the what? The Te'uber Tzirasan, until it has that change of status. So, Rabbi Yochanan is pointing out to Rish Lakish that this seems to be Beferish in the Baraisa. So, what's Rish Lakish going to say? So, Amalei, Rish Lakish answers, Hi, Tana, Tana, Devei Rabba Barabu That Tana, right, it was, was also, right, was taught in the base manager of Rabba Barahuna. But Rabba Barahuna said something else. Rabba Barahuna said, Afilu Pigul Ta'an Ibar Tzura. Wow. So see, what he's saying is, pigul, which we know, that's an inherent, right, psul. Right? Pigul is something, is unquestionably an inherent psul. So therefore, the idea that Rish Lakish is saying is that, no, I was talking about what, that which they learned in the yeshiva of Rabbi Baravua, which is that even when there's an inherent psul, ton ibur that you leave it over overnight. Wow. Okay. So Yochanan says, okay, well, Eisve. Well, we have another Brisa. Nitma or Nifsal Habatsar, Oshiyatsa Chutzla Kalaim, Rabbi Leezer Omer Yizrok, Rabbi Shur Omer Lo Yizrok. That if something, let's say, became totally possible, or you went out and you, and you went out and you took the carbon outside of where you're supposed to have it. So Rabbi Leezer is going to say that Yizrok, what Yizrok? No, not throw out the carbon. It means you can throw the blood. This is a question Right of and we're going to see this has to be a case of hesachadas where you have these like circumstantial tumah it's not inherent tumah and there's a question of whether that invalidates the blood as well whenever you bring one of these karbanos right you shech the carbon and then you do zrikas adam you also do the blood sprinkling the question is if the if the carbon itself becomes invalid does it invalidate the blood sprinkling as well like if you're not going to do the sprinkling of the blood that means that really everything went south, right, sideways, as, as it were, right? And so you just like, you, you scratch the whole thing. So in this case, Rabbi Leezer says, no, you didn't, don't scratch the whole thing. You could still do the, um, right, the Zrikas Adam, but Yeshua Omer Lo no, no, you could still do the Zrikas Adam. It didn't mess up the entire procedure. However, Rabbi Yeshua admits, right, even though he says that you shouldn't do the Zrikas Adam, he does admit that if you did do the Zrikas Adam, that Bidi Eved, so to speak, it would be okay. You would still get, right, whatever kapara and benefit you get from Zrikas Adam. Oh. Now the Gemara asks, my Nifsal. Well, what, in what, in what case, what did it mean over here by Nifsal? Lav Behesachadas? It has to be talking about a case of Hesachadas, right? So if so, Iyam Rabbi Shlema Psula Tumah Havei, 
If you're going to say that it, the soul that we're talking about is tzitz. that's why you're going to say that you still, the, 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 the tzitz is merate when you do the, the sprinkling of the blood. So that's why you say that the, it's still, you're going to have, right, the kapar benefit of the blood sprinkling. Because after all, it was only psule tuma. Right? If you're going to say that we treat it not like the psul tuma, but you're going to treat it like an inherent psul, amai hurts at sits. So then if it's really an inherent psul, if this, if this hesech hadas truma, as we're all going back to here, if this hesech hadas psul truma is in fact treated like an inherent psul, so then the entire carbon would get thrown out, you would have no reason to do the sprinkling of the blood, and you would not get any um, benefit from it, even bidyevit. The whole thing was puzzle fr- through and through. So, the, so therefore, this seems to be a raya, that when you have hesachadas, you don't get a real inherent psul, but you seem to get just the surface psul that still enables you to have the ritsui bidyevit. To which Rish Lakish answers, my nifsal, what does it mean when it became nifsal? So nifsal could mean that it became tame. In this case, however, Rish Lakish has an answer. He says, nifsal bitvul yom. No, it became tame through a tvul yom. We already discussed what the tvul yom was, that it was after, right, you already, after you became tame, you went into the mikveh, and then you just have to wait for hair of a shemesh, right? You have to wait for sundown. And we said that's a form of psul tumah, but at that point, the tzitz could still be miratze, right? Because it is a lower form of tumah at that point, and certain things you can do at, at that point. So the Gemara answers, though, ihachi hainu tame, but that if that's the case, then it's identical to the case where the meat becomes tame, and that would just be a repetitive brisa. To which Rish Lakish surprised, tre govne tame. No. You're talking about two different types of tumah. One, right, is a type of tumah where it becomes, uh, right, where, where it becomes tame by the meat, and the other one is, becomes tame from the, uh, from the tvul yom, and so we're showing that, yeah, indeed, it's the same halacha for two different types of tumah. So now we did, we made it. We made it back to the, the topic that, that set us off on this delightful truma um, journey that common like so much. And we get back to, back to our discussion that led to it. How so? As follows. Kisalik Ravin, when Ravin left Bavel to go for his year in Israel, Amr Lishmaite Kameda Rabbi Yirmiya, he repeated this whole um, this whole Tyra from Rav Sheshis to Rav Yirmiya, right? This was an unbelievable uh, vart from Rav Sheshis. Um So it's funny, right? We said, what did learn Rabba? Oh, Rav Sheshis had this amazing shot. This was not Rav Yirmiya's uh, reaction in Israel. Uh, sometimes Israelis could be a little forward. And so Rav Yirmiya's response was, Rav Yirmiya says, yeah, these dumb Americans, they don't know anything. In this case, he says, foolish Babylonians. Yeah, because they live in a land of Tumah and darkness and stupidity. They said dumb, dark, um, dim-witted um, shot. Wow. So at this point, Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, um, says, quote, has to quote, and he, as, he, as he often does, the Chavis Yair, which says that all of these insults that you see in the Gemara between the Talmud Chachamim, he has lists every single one in Shas and goes through why each one was really an unbelievable compliment. So to you, you might, it might sound like a comp usult, 
like an insulting compliment, but really, they, if you really understood what they said, then you would see the real compliment embedded within. But when we read it on the surface, it sounds like he's being very dismissive, in fact, of Shesh's Pshat. Okay. Now, have you not heard what we learned? Rish Lakish learned the name of Roshia, who says, who, right, who, who taught this Mishnah and explains that it deals with the Tame plants of Shrimah, as we said before, as follows. It says, right, so we know that on Sukkis, right, you have the, the Simcha Spacer Shoeva, and that even water, right, is used, right, in, 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 the, in the festival, and that's called Mehachag. But what happens if they become tummies? So what do you do? So you can actually, if you learn mikvahs, you can make water tahar in a mikvah. You just, you, if you bring it in contact with a mikvah, and then if you bring it in contact with a mikvah, and then, right, and then afterwards you mock the shit tahirin, those waters become tahar again. Beautiful. However, if you first made it hekdish and then you brought it to the mikvah to meim, it's still going to be tamei. Mehdi, why? Let's see. Zuria ninhu. Okay, in both cases, the water is going what we'll call zuria, which is like planting, which is just to say that we're putting it in the mikvah, right? So dunking water in the mikvah, right? Obviously, using a kli to dunk the water in the mikvah, that typically makes a tahar. So therefore, why should it matter, right, whether you do the, right, the make it hektish before or after you put the water in the mikvah? So Alma ain't real hektish. Apparently, the, you have to perforce see, learn from the halacha that, in fact, you're not, you can't, you can't dunk hektish in a mikvah. In other words, dunking hektish in a mikvah is not effective in removing the tumma from kachim. Okay. Because once it's kachim, then it's much more susceptible to tumma, and it's also much more likely to hold on to tumma. Uh-huh. So before it becomes kachim, uh, the tumma isn't stick, doesn't have that same stick to and it can be, right, it can be removed. But once it's kachim, then it cannot be removed. So hachanami here too. So we're going to apply that concept by the water of, of Hekdesh to the plants of Truma. We sit, we're going to say, here too, Ain's real of Truma. Planting in the ground, okay, is not going to be effective in removing the Truma from Truma entirely because, again, just like we have this, uh, this idea by uh, Hekdesh, we have that idea by Truma as well. Just like Hekdesh is more susceptible to Truma, so to Truma is more susceptible to, tr- to Truma, and therefore, with regards to both of those things, when you, just like when Hekdesh is dunked in a mikvah, it does not lose its status, right, of, of Tuma, so too Truma, when it's planted in the ground, they retain their status of Tuma. And that's the reason why the coin can't consume it. And that's why, and, and, and it's not because of the Hesachadas. And so this whole shot of Hesachadas that uh, we were so, Rav Masna was so proud of having learned from Rav Sheshes, that shot was trashed when they brought, when they brought it to Eretz Yisrael. And they said it's, it has nothing to do with Ezechadaz. It has to do with the fact that it's more susceptible to Tumah. Okay, so Yasef Rav Dimi, Rav Dimi, who was in Israel, was sitting. He was talking about this same thing that we were talking about, this uh, Chumrah, with regards to the water. 
Um, and Amar Abaye, Abaye said, Ikdishin Bechli Ka'amar. Wait, Abaye was in Bubbles. Maybe, uh, maybe Ravdimi, we know Ravdimi was in Israel and he was in, um, he was in Bavel also. So anyway, Abaye and Ravdimi had this conversation. I think it was in Bavel. He says, anyway, Hikdishim Bechli Kamar. Did Rosh mean to say that this applies only when he was Makdish, the water? Aval Bepelo, Avod Rabbanon Ma'ala. But how about if you were Makdish it? So the question is like this. There's two ways to be Makdish the water. You can be Makdish it when it's in a Kli, right? Or you can be Makdish it just by, by, by uh, oral proclamation. So what kind of hekdesh does it have to be in order to be more susceptible to the tumah that's ha- that sticks to it more? So we say that it's only if it's makdashit bekli, oh dilma bepeh nami avud rabbanan mala. Or maybe you're going to say that even in the case where you're makdashit bepeh, it's going to be equally severe. So I'm going to answer, zu lo shmati. On that particular chumrah, I have not heard, I don't know, kiyotze bashmati. But, I heard something similar that might be applicable. As follows. And that's where we come back, circling it back. Right? Our famous grapes from yesterday that became Tomei. So we say, if you first press them and then only afterwards you were Makdish, that, that juice, the juice is tar. Why? Because we said yesterday, is it considered mikvkat pocket or part of the fruit? So we say, no. Since we consider it to be in the fruit and not absorbed into it, since we consider it to be mifkad pakid, so then the fruit itself is tahor. So it's not going to be, right? So first you squeezed it out. And since the fruit, the, the fruit itself, right, was not yet mukdash, so then it's going to be what? Tahor. In other words, the liquid's going to be tahor because you weren't makdish the actual grapes yet. And therefore, the grapes weren't as susceptible to tumah. And therefore, the liquids got out just in time. The liquids got out of these grapes before the grapes had a chance to become tummy, and the liquid's going to be tar. However, but if you first were makdish the grapes, and only afterwards you squeezed out the juice, then to mayhem, then the juice is going to be tummy. Because again, we have this chumrah with regards to things that are, that, that are hekdesh, that it's more susceptible to the tumah. And so if the grapes have already been makdish, that means they're more susceptible to tumah. That means that when you squeeze out the liquids, the liquids are going to contract that tumah. Ah, so from that, Rav Dimis concludes, And by the way, that answers your question, because why? Because we know that that case has to be a case where the grapes were makdish by oral designation, right? That somebody was makdish at the why? Because that's the only way that you can actually be makdish grapes. So we know per force that's how they were makdish. And still, we see the chumrah by these, by these grapes that they're considered, uh, they're dealt with extra stringency that they are metame the liquid. Okay, so that was Ravdimi's proof, which Rav Yosef is now going to reject. Amr, Rav Yosef, anavim comrade. Wait, you're going you're gonna to say grapes is going to be your proof for kachim? Hachaba skinon. Ah, Remember, we said before that certain things are more susceptible to tuma, right? So one of them is kachim, but another one is truma. This was a case where we already know. That was the case we discussed yesterday. That was a case of truma. So it was already more susceptible, irrespective of the hectic designation. So how can you use that as an example? We need an example where it was completely not, it was completely chulin, and then it was mekudosh bepet. Aha, right? So in other words, 
So when you have this extra susceptibility of the grapes by virtue of them being truma, so of course in that case, once you're Makadashit Bipet, it's gonna be as severe as Kedusha's Kli. But when you have these waters where in order to be, uh, to make it hectic, you need a Kli, but in that case, if you're going to be Makadashit Bipet, the Rabbanan are not gonna have that level of stringency, because again, those waters obviously are not truma, truma doesn't apply to water, and therefore, they would need to be mekadosh bikli, according to Rabbi Yosef, in order to have that kind of tuma. Okay, so I think maybe that would be a good place to stop, because I have to go, and so we are nine lines up from the bottom on Lamedalad Amad Bays. everybody have a great Shabbos, incidentally, starting tomorrow, it's going to feel like Masechah Psachim again. We're going to talk to the Mishnah, like real halach lamaisa, like what kind of uh, grains you can use for matzah, you know, like real Pesach stuff. So by the time we see each other again, which uh, looks like I'll be going to visit my first grandchild at some point this week, but, so we'll be in touch about that, thank you, but by the time we see each other again, we'll be in real Psachim. So everybody have a great job. Where's the grandchild? Uh, in New York.